Good morning. I would ask you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. Today we're going to be reading the birth narrative of Jesus from the Matthew's point of view. Matthew tells the story of the birth of Jesus from uh, Joseph's point of view. Luke, you may remember, tells the story from Mary's perspective. Today what I hope in sharing the story that you're going to see some new and surprising things that will illuminate you, illuminate your understanding of the Christmas message and make your Christmas more meaningful this year. I want to point out that the verses that precede, the 17 verses that precede our story this morning, it's the genealogy of Jesus. Often when you read a genealogy in one of the Gospels, or anywhere in the Bible for that matter, it's very easy to quickly pass over the names because they don't mean much to us. We can't pronounce them. We don't know who they are. It doesn't make sense to us. It feels like filler material. But I will tell you, in, in understanding the birth narrative, if you knew a little bit about the names, it would make it a little bit, uh, bring a little bit more sense to you. And um, I would point out to you four names in the genealogy this morning that will enrich your understanding of the text. In Matthew's genealogy, there are four women who are mentioned. This is quite significant. And this is how they're mentioned. They mention the man, then they mention the mother. It says, whose mother was Tamar, whose mother was Rahab, whose mother was the widow of Uriah, that is, is uh, Bathsheba. And then it goes on and mentions these four mothers that are mentioned there. And then it goes on and says, Mary gave birth to Jesus. Jesus was born and his mother was Mary. So you read these, these birth narratives and you see these stories of these four women in the scripture and it's going to give us some understanding of what's going on in the story. So let's now open our hearts and minds to the Word of God. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child with her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did, not, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until after her son was born. 
And then Joseph named the baby, named him Jesus. Will you pray with me? God, this morning I pray for a very fresh word this morning. I pray that this message will not just be an ordinary message, not just be something that I've prepared and thought about, but something that would come from you. I so want to experience you in this moment and for us to hear from you in these words. Make this story come alive so that we can see how you've come down into the world to be with us. And help us to know what it is that you what it is that you want us to do. Thank you for this word today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there's this verse uh, in Isaiah 55, uh, 8, which I think will help us make a little sense of the birth narrative this morning. And in Isaiah, he's talking about the way God acts in the world. Isaiah in 55, 8 says that God's thoughts are not our thoughts. That God is able to see things that we can't see, and that God's ways are beyond our imagination. And what that means is, is that when God's at work in the world, sometimes the way that God that chooses to work in the world is completely different from the way that we would want to see it happen or the way that we would plan it. In other words, I think that if we were to write the story of the birth of Jesus, we would never write it the way that it was written. Now, we, we don't see that because we're so familiar with the story that it's lost its shock value on us. But I want to tell you, if you were living in first century Palestine and um, you were a Jewish person or a Gentile and you were reading the story of the birth of the Messiah the way that Matthew tells it, you would say, are you kidding me? Is that really? That can't be true. That, that's just outrageous. God, God doesn't act in working that way. That's really strange. You read the first line and it says, this is how the Messiah was born. And that just brings a lot of anticipation up in the hearts and minds of the readers because the Messiah is the one that the prophets spoke about and said was coming. The Messiah is the one who was anointed by God to bring his word to the world. I mean, so there's all this anticipation. And then you read the story and you go, what? Are you kidding me? This is how Jesus was born? He was born this way? And the reason it doesn't shock us or startle us is because we've heard it so many times, and we don't understand the culture. So I want you this morning, as we understand what it means to say God is with us, to see how it is that God came, because that really will show us what that means. The first thing I'd point out to you is just the genealogy itself. We hear the names Rahab, uh, Tamar, uh, we hear the name uh, Ruth, we hear the name Bathsheba. It doesn't really mean much to us. So let me tell you who those women are. The very fact that those names are in the genealogy of Jesus tells us something about Jesus. Do you know who Rahab was? Rahab ran an inn in Jericho. She was a prostitute. They're reading and they go, really? A prostitute in the birth part of Jesus' family? Then you read the story of Tamar. Tamar's story is told in Genesis 38. You know what that story is about? Tamar marries this man 
gets married, he dies. And the father keeps passing her down to other men in the family. And then he makes a promise to her he doesn't keep. So then you know what she does? She just tries to deceive him and dresses up as a prostitute and sleeps with him and gets pregnant with the father, the fa- her father-in-law. Three months pass, she begins to show. He doesn't know that he slept with her. She's disguised. Three months pass, and they bring charges up against her. They're going to stone her to death. And then she reveals to everyone that the father-in-law was the father of the child. Throws the whole family in uproar. It's just a really scandalous and awful kind of story. That woman, Tamar, is a part of Jesus' family. That's the family member that you leave out when you tell your story. You don't put that family member in. That's the old one. You don't. And then there was Ruth. Now, Ruth was an honorable person. But Ruth was a foreigner. She was a Moabite. She was not even a part, supposed to be a part of this family. And then there's Bathsheba. And Bathsheba is a really tragic story. Uh, She uh, gave birth to Solomon after her husband was killed, basically killed by the king, after the king had had an affair with Bathsheba. All four of these women have questionable backgrounds. All four of the women, in some sense, have been uh, marginalized by men, and they had no power, no influence. So you hear, you're reading the story. Whose mother was Tamar? Whose mother was Rahab? Whose mother was Ruth? Whose mother? And then he goes, Jesus was born whose mother was Mary. What? A teenager? She's not married? Are you kidding me? That's bad timing. I mean, think about it. Why could not have God waited until she married Joseph? I mean, just just wait a few months. The engagement period was only a year long. I mean, why would God give the baby Jesus to an unwed mother? We read the story, and, and do you know how bad the timing was? Suppose Joseph said, I'm not marrying her. Yeah, right, son of God, right. Holy Spirit, yeah, right, who'd you sleep with? Do you know what would have happened to her? Before Jesus was ever born into the world, she would have been stoned to death. What a risk. Then you read how he was born. How was he born? A very human birth. Born like every one of you were born. Nine months in a womb. Pain, struggle, pushed out of the womb, the same way that you were born. But I would also point out that maybe not the same way that you were born. I would guess that most, raise your hand if you were born in a hospital. But you know how Jesus was born? Jesus was born in the way that most people in our world today are still being born. There are thousands of people born every day in the world who are not born in hospitals, who have no prenatal care. 
they're born in huts. They're born in places with wood with dirt floors, like this baby right here. This is one of thousands of babies that will be born this year in a refugee camp somewhere. This baby is was born uh, to a Syrian family, fleeing violence, fleeing death. They had to leave their home, and this baby was born in a refugee camp in a place in between. Nobody wants this family, Syrian family. Who wants them? Nobody wants them. That's how Jesus was born, like most people on this earth. The other thing is, you know, we think the name Jesus is special. It's not a special name. It's really, really interesting. Um, Unless, you know, uh, you, know you, you grew up in a Hispanic culture, you don't name your kid Jesus. We'd never consider it. You know? But that was a common name. Jesus is a Greek form of the rendering of the name Joshua, which means God saves. Everybody named their kids after heroes. You know? And so if you were to go to Nazareth, go back, you know, 2,000 years and were to get a phone book, if Nazareth had a phone book and you were to pull out the phone book and you were to look up the names of, there would be like 100 Jesuses in the phone book. Nothing about his name that distinguished him. You know, I just, I just if, you, if you're going to name your kid the Savior of the world, wouldn't you give him a, 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 at least a, con, I mean a, a special name? Did you know that Mick Jagger in his 70s just fathered his eighth kid? Did you know that? The Rolling Stones? You know what he named his eighth son? Devereaux. Octavian, Basil, Jagger. Now that's a kid who arrived on the scene with a real name. And we should have given Jesus a name like that. The son of God, Devereaux, Octavian, you know, Basil, Jagger. That would have been cool. But no, he was born the way every other kid in the world was born. He was born unarmed and defenseless. He was born in complete obscurity. And then look at where he was born. He was born in Bethlehem. You ever been to Bethlehem? I don't mean Henry County. I mean Bethlehem, Middle East. I mean, Bethlehem, Henry County is not much to look at either. But it's not an occupied territory. I've been to Bethlehem. It's a war zone. The people that live there are miserable and have no opportunities. 2,000 years ago, nothing, nothing was any different. He was born in complete and total obscurity, not in the place of power. And then this is the, probably the most remarkable thing of all. The whole thing, the whole scheme depended upon a human decision. It depended upon two people saying yes to God. Think about that. Given God's experience with human beings, you would think he would learn by then that you can't trust people. So he picks out two people, two common, two ordinary people, just regular people, a regular Mary and a regular Joe, and depends on them to say yes. What if they'd said no? They could have said no. Think about it. It is so incredibly remarkable to think about the idea that God is going to bring redemption to the earth 
And he's going to depend upon the participation of human beings to help him do that. What? Everything about this story is shocking and surprising. Because you know and I know that if, okay, if David Emery were to write the script, it wouldn't look like that. So I wrote the script. If I were to write the script, this is what I would do. I would have chose a couple of parents who had an Ivy League education. They fell in love at Harvard. They both had an ACT score of 31 and above. They got a full ride, physically impressive. Uh, they would go off to have a six-figure six income. They'd be smart investors. They wouldn't get in debt. They would start a college fund early. They would have a beautifully decorated room for the baby to be born in. They would live in a gated community. They would have great prenatal care. They would have a terrific, they would pick up the, they would interview OBGYN doctors to make sure they had the best delivery doctor. And they would have a security detail when the baby was born to surround the hospital. They would get some rangers or some marines or some navy seals. Not only that, Joseph would be licensed to carry, Mary would be packing, and the donkey would have it. Oh, and the donkey, would, the donkey would have an NRA sticker on his butt. <laughs> they would be covered by the, the, the news operations. I mean, this baby would be announced to the world. Megan Kelly would be there. And Wolf Blitzer. We want to make sure the news is fair and equally balanced. They'd be visited by celebrities. Kanye West would show up. Taylor Swift. Garth Brooks. Business leaders. Athletes. Tom Brady. Das Prescott. Or that guy that scored 47 points yesterday in the basketball game. Some guy named Monk. And they would be properly married. They would have been married for over a year to make sure that their marriage was going to work. They'd have enough time to adjust to each other's habits so that when the baby came, the married couple would be well-adjusted to raise a well-adjusted little baby boy to bring him into the world. God didn't write the script that way. I mean, and, and whose life looks like that anyway? He was born in the world in the way that most people are born in the world. In poverty, among um, imperfect people, among people who are somewhat questionable. And so, so what I want to point out is because the way that God was born, it says a lot about what, who he is. So when you hear that word Emmanuel, we hear that every Christmas, Emmanuel, God is with us. It sounds really nice, but what does it mean? What it, this is what it means. It tips God's hand. Is being all in. Totally committed in every way. Vulnerable. Merciful. Compassionate. Empathetic. And what real love is, that real love is not guarded or protected, that real love is extreme and radical. And it means... When it says that God is with us, we you know what it means? It means that God is with us in every way. That God has fully experienced the human experience. And you look at your life and you think, well, my past disqualifies me. 
Well, Jesus had a family member that was a prostitute. God is with us in every way. I want to ask this question. This Christmas, where do you desperately need Emmanuel? What's going on in your family? What's going on in your life? Where is it right now that you need God with you? Right now, where do you need God to be with you? The other thing, though, is, is that when it says with us, it means with all of us. The very fact by where, where Jesus was born should indicate a little bit about where he's born today in the world. And so with us doesn't just mean the people are in this room. Last Friday, I went down to the St. John Center. Some of the great folks in our church every year, they go down at Christmas and throw a Christmas party. They actually go down several times a year. St. John Center is a center for homeless men where they go during the day to get some of their basic needs met, where they get connected to social services. And you'd be surprised, are that many homeless men in our city? And so they went down and they uh, provided a little package, and in the package was a, a wool cap, some wool socks, some lip balm, some toothpaste, some toiletries, things to make their life a little bit better. They gave them a backpack, gave them some homemade cookies, sang a little Christmas carols. They came and brought this to them. I, I had the opportunity to speak to a, a young man named Ricky, uh, Ricky uh, told me his story. Ricky, I said, Ricky, tell me your stories. I said, what are you doing here? How would you end up at the center? And Ricky said that, um, you know, a year ago he was working a good job. He said, I was making $38,000 a year, had a recreational drug problem um, that I was able to manage, but then it became unmanageable and overtook me. I went down to a dark place, lost my job, lost my family. I was on the street for three weeks, didn't know anything, scared to death. He said, I'm still using. I just can't seem to let go of it. I've been in and out of two treatment things in the last few months. Just can't get my mind right. And I guess I'll be homeless until I do. When he says with us, it means all of us. It means Ricky. It means a little baby born in that refugee camp. All of us means all of us. By the very fact that where he was born should tell us about what breaks God's heart, that God would choose to be born among the most vulnerable people on the earth. And the other is, so God is with us in every way. God is with all of us. The other thing is the phrase, I thought about the phrase with us. You know what that means? God is calling us to be with him. So it's not just that God is with us and with all of us, but God is inviting us to be a part of him. He could have just came and fixed the planet. He could have just said, I'm gonna, God, is a cre God can do anything. God created the heavens and the earth. He could have resolved all our issues, but instead he chooses to partner with these frail, weak people on this earth to do his work. And so when it says with us, we join with him in the work that he's doing. So when we say with us, what does that mean? It's people going down to St. John. 
the way he is with them is because we are with them. It's Lily. When she bakes cookies and sells them for the homeless, that's how we're with them. You know, how is God with people? It's when, it's when ordinary people, when ordinary people say yes to God. You know, love came down to be with us. And how is love coming down? Love is still coming down every time we say yes to God, to partner with God, to work with God, to bring His hope and His life to the world. I heard a remarkable story. Several years ago, our church used to participate in a program called Operation Christmas Child. And what we would do is we made these little shoe boxes and we filled them with toys and other items and they sent all over the world. You go to Africa and places like that. And have candy and toys and other little things in there. Well, several years ago, one of our little girls in the church, her name was Lucy. And Lucy sent a package to another girl of the same age who was two years old. Well, that little girl in Africa sent a letter back to Lucy, her family. Since Lucy and the little girl were two years old, they've been writing back and forth. Well, this Christmas, on December 31st, Lucy is going to Africa with her mom and dad and their brother and her brother to go visit the little girl in Africa because the little girl's father is a minister in a small town with only one water well where there's dysentery and disease. And so Lucy and her family, Lucy's in middle school now, she's an eighth grader, is working with Waterstep, local ministry here to bring clean water to the world, is going to go to Africa, to Uganda, to help install a water well for these kids, for her friend that she met just through a little shoebox. You know, sometimes we look at ourselves and think, you know, what can I do? Look what Lily can do. If Lily can make $3,000 baking cookies for the homeless, what, could, what can we all do? You see, love came down to be with us. And we look at the way that he came down, and it's surprising, and it's shocking, and amazing, but it should reveal to us just how deep God's love is for us and the opportunity that we have to join the work that he's doing. Love continues to come down into the world when ordinary people, ordinary Marys and ordinary Joes and ordinary Lucys and ordinary Lilies say yes. Yes to God. 